It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Cowboys, your daily Dallas Cowboys podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked on welcome back to the locked on cowboys podcast part of the locked on podcast network thank you for tuning in i am your host marcus mosier you can follow me on twitter at marcus underscore mosier and today we are joined by a special guest, Elliot Harrison. You heard him last week on the Locked On Cowboys podcast. Uh, you can hear him on Sirius XM, formerly of the NFL Network and current Hall of Fame voter. Elliot, how are you doing today, sir? Uh, I'm all right. I'm excited about uh, what we're doing today. I'm yeah, really we've, got a, we've got a fun show. So this is a, uh, we're going to do a show that Ellie and I have actually done on the phone before, uh, multiple different times. We're going to be talking today about the three best individual coaching performances in Dallas Cowboys history. Now, I will let you know that just because you won the Super Bowl doesn't automatically mean that you had a great coaching performance. Because uh, I have a feeling, uh, Landon, that Barry Switzer's 1994 season is not going to show up on your list, is it? No, I kind of feel bad for Barry though. He, he gets a little bit of a bad rap. He does. He does. He was fine. He was fine. It's a topic for another day. He was a good babysitter. Uh, so coming up on today's show, we're going to go ahead and start. We're going to go back and forth. Uh, I'll go ahead and go first because for whatever reason, Elliot likes me to go first. Um, I will say the one that, that did not make the list for me, I'm just going to lay it out really quickly. Jason Garrett's 2016 season does not make the list for me. I had it as number three. I crossed it out. I know he was really good with, you know, a rookie, a fourth round rookie quarterback in Dak Prescott. He had a rookie running back in Ezekiel Elliott, but this is just bitterness a little bit that he didn't put Tony Romo into the lineup at, at the end of the season and put him into the playoff game. Cause there certainly would have had a better chance against the Packers, but am I wrong for keeping Garrett off the list? I don't even think that's Garrett's best coaching job with the Cowboys. So yeah, I would, I would really? absolutely keep Which, that. I would one? even make my top 10 probably. You, is Garrett going to make your list? I, I'm assuming no, no, no. But yeah. I mean, if just, just quickly on Garrett, uh, 2010, when they were nowheresville, uh, I think they lost 45 to seven, 38 to seven to green Bay. 45 to seven. Yep. There's yep. a game Wade Phillips got fired. Exactly. And uh, when they, when Garrett took over, they were one and seven, I think. And they went five and three with Garrett down the stretch. 
including probably a game or two there they could have won. Remember the Roy Williams fumbling mm-hmm. against the Saints? Oh, boy, do I remember. That game. Yeah. That would probably be the best job he did as a, as a head coach, in my opinion, uh, just given the way they were able to turn things around with John Kitna. I give John Kitna a heck of a lot of credit for that, though. I, I agree. That that was a very good season by Garrett. Um, I Listen, 2016 was good. I I don't care what you say. It's not out of the top 10. I, I think it's in the top five. To, to go 13 and three and really go what 12 and two that or 13 and two that year, because in week 17, they just rested everybody. Um, I, I think that was a good season, but it does not crack my list at number three, Elliot. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. I'm going yeah. old school on you. Yeah. 1966 Tom Landry. During that season, the Cowboys went 10-3-1, and but it was notable because that was the first time that they had a winning season in the NFL. Uh, Tom Landry's team had a point differential of plus 206, which is actually the second best in Dallas Cowboys history. The reason why I'm putting this one at number three is it's really hard to win in the NFL. And when you were that unsuccessful early on, first six years of their time in the NFL to get over the hump. And we've seen this with the Cleveland Browns over the last two decades to finally get over the hump and become not a Super Bowl team, but a team that should be taken seriously. And that got to 10, three and one Uh, they did lose in the playoffs, but I feel like that season from Tom Landry was absolutely fantastic. What do you think about that year from Tom Landry? I love it. Uh, I'm glad you picked it. Uh, by the way, that's it's a distant second in point differential, a yes. distant second. But uh, there's a couple things about that. Really, and this one almost made my list uh, as well, but so did 1965. Yes. So in 64, Clint Murkison, the Cowboys owner, gave Tom Landry a 10-year contract, which was unheard of because the Cowboys stunk every year up to that point. And part of the problem was, Marcus, is the Cowboys got admitted to the league so late in 1960 that they missed the first NFL draft that they would have had because the draft used to be in November. So the 1960 NFL draft was actually in November of 59. And so the NFL was trying to rush the Cowboys into the Dallas market because they found out that Lamar Hunt, the owner of the future Kansas City Chiefs, was putting an AFL team in Dallas. So when the NFL rushed a team in the city of Dallas in 1960, imagine it would have been like starting the Houston Texans a few months before they played their first game. Yeah. There was no free agency and the Cowboys had no draft picks. Well, dude, if you have no draft picks and you're an expansion team with no free agency, how long are you going to stink for a long time? Right. 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 Finally in 65, uh, they played the Pittsburgh Steelers at, at midseason. They lose. They dropped to two and five. Tom Landry's record at this point is horrible. And I, I think he shed some tears after the game and told his players that he had given it everything he could to make them winners. And wouldn't you know it, right after that game, Dallas won five out of seven to close out 1965 and finish 500, which spun them into 66. So really they were feeding off of that momentum of a young head coach who had literally given it everything he could. And so I just think that's an interesting backdrop to your season. It's also worth noting the three losses that they had that season. They had a, a nine-point loss to the Browns. Uh, they had a one-point loss to the Eagles in Philadelphia. And then they had a three-point loss to, to, to Washington. So 
the games that they lost were all incredibly close. And then to dominate so early in the season, like they did, I believe they won was it 52 to seven against the giants, yep. 56 yep. to seven against the Eagles uh, a couple weeks later. So I, I just thought that was a really, really good team from Tom Landry and to finally get them over the hump. I feel like they needed to be at least mentioned in this show. Uh, well, you, uh, hey, I got to stop you real quick. You didn't mention the most notable loss. The NFL t- championship game yes. where John Meredith threw a desperation pass at the end of the game. It got picked off in the end zone. You may have seen that clip before. Uh, it was because they were in a bad situation because their lineman jumped offside from the two. Dallas should have easily scored on that drive. They would have tied the game at home in the Cotton Bowl. If Dallas wins that game in overtime, we might be talking about the Landry Trophy, yeah. not the Lombardi Trophy, yeah. because the winner of that game went on to play Super Bowl One. Right, right. That would be – oh, man, that's kind of depressing now that you say that. Um, Sorry. That's, that's a right. big-time game in Cowboys history. That's I had right. to mention it. Just wanted to take a quick break to tell you guys about Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing – Bet Online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV with real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it is free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts, and don't forget to use that promo code Locked On. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, go ahead, Elliot. Give us your number three season. Uh, My number three season is actually pretty recent, so this is a little odd. Usually Marcus just sticks with the newbie hits, and (laughs) and I dig deep, but I'm going with the 2003 Dallas Cowboys and Bill Parcells. The 2003 team, (laughs) how he squeezed 10 wins out of that group, Marcus, will amaze me forever and ever and ever and ever. Let me just give you some of the skill (laughs) positions. Quincy Carter at quarterback, okay? Mm -hmm. Uh, Your favorite all-time player, Troy Hambrick uh, at at tailback. The wide receivers were decent, although they really didn't have that big possession guy. You know, they had Terry Glenn. They had a, would you say, eccentric Antonio Bryant. (laughs) And that's, they, that's a way to put it, I guess. <laughs> yes. And they had a very unreliable Joey Galloway. Who was still uh, good, though. Galloway was good, though. He was good, but Joey Galloway was a track. Uh, he, he was a, a track athlete, basically, in a football uniform. And the Cowboys just didn't have that kind of offense to get the ball to him consistently down the field. He averaged almost 20 yards a catch, but he only had 34 catches. That's the problem. Uh, Really Terry Glenn was their most reliable receiver. Jason Witten was a rookie tight end. Dan Campbell was a blocking tight end. My point is a rookie, Jason Witten, Dan Campbell, Troy Hambrick, Adrian Morrell, Avion Mm -hmm. Quezon, Quincy Carter, how do you win 10 games with that group? And I'll tell you how. 
you get into town and you want to do things your way. And then you realize that, you know what, this defensive coordinator we have here actually is doing a pretty good job with a scheme that I don't believe in. Bill Parcells didn't believe in four, three with small ball linebackers, right? Mm -hmm. He believed in three, four with big edge rushers, but Mike Zimmer did such a good job with the Cowboys defense. And just so you know, that year, first in yards allowed in the NFL. And I believe think? they were second in point different, or excuse me, second in points allowed on defense. So yeah, good. Now, one of the things I, I listen, we're going to ruin this whole structure of the show, but I actually had that one as number one. So let's, if we're going to do that, let's, let's dive in. Yeah. The coaching staff for that 2003 Dallas Cowboys team was really, really good. Especially yes. when you look at what happened later on in some of these guys career, right? Mike Zimmer, defensive coordinator. Yep. They had Sean Payton was the, the offensive coordinator. No, excuse me. He was the quarterback coach, correct? An assistant head coach. Yes. An assistant head coach. Tony Sperano was their offensive line coach, I believe. Yep. Or, yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, they had Dan Campbell who played, he ended up becoming, you know, he's the, he's the tight end or excuse me, the lion's head coach now, but you just had a lot of really good coaches on that team. And I think it's why they were able to elevate the talent around them. Uh, you, you want me to wait? I want to keep going on that real quick. Since sure. it's your number one, you know, uh, it's, it's worth a little bit of a deep dive, I think. Sure. Absolutely. Let's stay with that coaching uh, tree. How about Casey Rogers? Tampa Bay's defensive line played great this year. Great. Mm-hmm. I mean, you saw them against Kansas city and yes, you could say Kansas city had backup tackles it wasn't just the outside guys. It was the interior guys too. It was hard to run on Tampa this yep. year. And guess who their defensive line coach was? The same defensive line coach that the Cowboys had in 2003. Their offensive coordinator was Maurice Carthon, who was an interesting guy because Maurice Carthon played in the USFL. He was a running back with Herschel Walker. He was a very good running backs coach in the NFL. He was Curtis Martin's running backs coach with New England and the Jets because he was with Parcells. So he was, quote, a Parcells guy. He had been a fullback for Parcells. I love this coaching staff. It was gritty, but also creative, which is kind of a great combination, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It was perfect. I, it was it was so much fun. Uh, I'm glad that we, we didn't even mention Richie Anderson, right, who I believe yeah. led the team in receptions that season. Yeah. It, it was a disaster on offense, but Parcells did such a good job of shortening games. It, you go back and watch those games. They weren't a lot of fun to watch because they, you know, they would get over at like 3.30 p.m. Eastern time because they would just run the ball like crazy. They play good defense. But for Parcells to get that team to win 10 games and then be – I mean, I don't think they were all that competitive in the playoffs, but to beat some pretty good teams that year uh, was certainly impressive. Um, yeah, they had some key turns in that season too. They lost to New England. They got shut out yeah. uh, by Belichick, which had to be hard for Parcells. But I mean, those guys both knew who, who what Parcells, what kind of hand he was playing with. You know, Belichick had a couple aces and a pair of jacks, and I think Parcells had a pair of fives. <laughs> you know, it just wasn't the same – you know, you, you, you can't put that on the coach, but even though they got shut out, they come back and they beat Carolina at home and Carolina almost won the Super Bowl that year. And that's the famous press conference, Marcus, where Parcell said, you can't call them losers anymore because they were eight and three, Um, you know, and they had some rough games later in the year, but they just didn't have the talent to compete with the really great teams yet. There they were 
uh, winning 10 games, you know, I, I just, uh, I think it's a great coaching job and I have no problem with you picking it higher than me. Uh, Maybe not number one, but, but certainly it's number, number one. It's all right. Um, so what was your favorite game of that season? I think a lot of people will say that Giants game, I believe in week two, you know, the, they'll remember that as the, uh, uh, the Antonio Bryant, right? Billy Cunduff game. Uh, but what yeah. was your favorite one? Well, you know, that's a, that's a really good question. I think, boy, I think the best game for me that year was the Carolina game because uh, they played it at home, but I realized how I remember watching that game at my dad's and I, you know, I'll never forget this. I, you know, I don't know why, but the Panthers had a safety. I think it was Mike Minter, Mm -hmm. if I'm not mistaken. And he's trying to, you know, he's trying to make plays all over the field. And I saw how hard he was playing. And I realized, I don't, this is such a weird pull Marcus, but I realized all the Cowboys were playing like that. In other words, they were all playing hard. Yeah. yeah it was Mike Minter. Yep. And, you know, it was just, I, I don't know. It's just one of those moments where I realized this is the hardest I've ever seen Flozo Adams play. Yeah. And that's so what was hard. so fun about that team, right? It just yes. seemed like everybody played with their hair. was on fire. Right. And, and that's yes. why it was easy to root and like that team. So I, I think the Washington game at home, they had to convert like a fourth in short. They went for it. And uh, Quincy Carter threw a little bubble screen to ter- Terry Glenn. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. That was a uh, good memories of that season. Yeah, and with the Cowboys beating Carolina earlier in that season, you know that was that was a Carolina team that would go on to the Super Bowl and just barely, barely beat, uh, not beat the uh, the New England Patriots. So uh, a fun team. All right, let's go ahead and go to our number two season, and I have another surprise for you, Elliot. Okay. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. 1998, Chan Gailey season. Oh, come on. Okay, I don't agree with this one. Okay, well let's let's run through it. So, <laughs> 1996, they lose in the divisional round. Yes. 1997, they go six and ten. That's correct. You go and look at that 1998 team, and they had name value, right? Name recognition, like a lot of guys that you would recognize, right? They still had Troy Aikman and Evan Smith and Michael. But getting Irvin. older, but getting older, but getting older. And more importantly on the defense, they were really old. And then the young guys they had were really unproven, right? You had Chad Headings and uh, Leon let as your defensive tackles. You had a rookie Greg Ellis starting your linebackers. Uh, you had Fred Strickland and Randall Godfrey. Your corners were a Dion who was still really good, but he was 31. Kevin Smith at that point wasn't very good anymore. It, I don't know. It was just a really old team. And the fact that they were able to go 10 and six that season and get it into the playoffs, uh, I, I thought it was a really, really good season. And then it wasn't a fluke 10 and six season. They had a really strong point differential at plus one Oh six. They beat the teams they were supposed to. I I think Chan Gailey, uh, his first season with the Cowboys deserves uh, some credit there. I think it was a good season, but we're talking about the second greatest coaching job in Cowboys history. That that's my only hangup, but their safeties. It was Woodson. And was it Omar Stoudemire? Oh, there it is. There it is. Yeah. Nice pull. Yeah. So I don't disagree with you that it was a really good coaching job. And, and unlike your Garrett one that you mentioned, I would put this over Garrett's okay. 2016. I know that Garrett did that with Dak Prescott, 
But I, I also think the 2016 Cowboys have a lot more talent than we're giving them credit for. Mm-hmm. This 98 team, not as much. You know, it really, all their talented players were way past their prime. The only, in fact, the only guy that wasn't is Emmett was outstanding. And Emmett was really good, but the offensive line, and this, actually, this goes to talking more about Emmett. The offensive line was not great, right? right. They moved Larry Allen over to left tackle that season. Nate Newton was 37 years old. Your yep. guy, Clay Shiver, uh, yeah. not very yeah. good. Yeah. Uh, Eric Williams was kind of shot at that point in his career. Right. Yeah, I'm trying to think of right guard. Flozel Adams. Flo- they played Flozel at right guard. They played Flozel Adams at right guard that season. I did not remember as that. a rookie. Well, I rookie Flozel. That that makes sense though. Um, one of the things that drives me nuts about the Barry Sanders Emmett Smith comparisons, I have no problem if people think that Barry Sanders was a tiny bit better. I don't. But the idea that, well, poor Barry, because Emmett had a better offensive line, not in the late 90s, not in the late 90s at all. Emmett had a great offensive line his first six years. Uh, look at Emmett's last, what, seven or eight years. Mm-hmm. Offensive line was not nearly as good. I think this is a good pull, Marcus. It wouldn't make my top three. That's why I got frustrated with you. But because uh, I, I had a feeling Chan Gailey was going to come out somewhere. Hey, did Chan Gailey deserve to be fired after he, he was the only coach in NFL history that took his team to the playoffs his first two years and got fired? Do you know that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's yep. crazy. Well, now, the other thing I was going to mention is, and this is why it, it deserves to be on there, is that was the season where Jason Garrett started five games, I believe, correct? Yeah, he went three and two. They could have won another one of them. Uh, I'll say this to you, though. This is my biggest problem is – you don't have to win the Super Bowl, right? But the playoff game they played against the Cardinals is the worst Cowboys playoff game I've ever seen. They, they never had a chance in that game. Never had a chance. It was I, I just think they were so tired. Honestly, I, I think after all the runs that they made in the early 90s, they were old, they were tired. They needed a reboot, and they just didn't have him in them. And that's why you saw, what, the next year they were 8-8, eight and eight, and then they went on this 5-11 and 11 stretch. It was just a, a really aging roster yes. that he, Gailey was able to get a winning season out of. Yeah, well, it's because the scouting department didn't, and general manager didn't replenish the talent. Correct. I wonder what changed. <laughs> well, wonder what changed in the '90s that caused them to not draft as good a talent. I, I wonder if that guy is going to be making a little bit of an appearance here. Just one more quick break to tell you guys about Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar out there. It's hard to even explain it. It's real chocolate with amazing flavors and a great combination of low calories, high protein, and low sugar with no crazy additives. Best of all, they taste fantastic, and they are releasing six new flavors, including caramel brownie, cookies and cream, and apple almond crisp. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get $10 off your first box at BuiltBar.com. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. 
Uh, that's my second best season. What is your second best season? I'm Elliot? sorry for getting mad at you. No, that's all right. It's okay. But that's still a, that's a back end of the top 10 one for me. Uh, but like I said, I think that deserves to be in the top 10 without question. Okay. Um, <laughs> I mean, there's so, only so many seasons in Cowboys history and you're saying it makes the top 10. So, well, yeah, but you have to remember too, you know, Tom Landry, when you mentioned the 66 season, he had 20 consecutive winning seasons. I, I mean, know, but I, but the talent was so much better though, Elliot. Well, we'll, we'll get to that. Okay. So right. my number two is a Tom Landry season. It's the 1975 Dallas Cowboys. Uh, the 75 Dallas Cowboys were a little bit different team. They went 10 and four. Uh, they made the Super Bowl as a wild card team. They were the first team after the merger to ever make the Super Bowl as a wild card team. They lost to the Pittsburgh Steelers, a close game. No shame, Marcus, in losing to the Steelers, even though you hate the Steelers. Uh, <laughs> you know, it, it, that 75 Steelers team is a who's who yeah, of pro football yeah. history. The 75 Dallas Cowboys were not. Here's the thing. The Cowboys were really good in the early 70s, but the team that won the 71 Super Bowl VI was a veteran team. In the 74 offseason, the Cowboys lost Bob Lilly, Hall of Famer, Bob Hayes, Hall of Famer, Cornell Green, uh, corner, probably should be in the Hall of Fame. They lost um, Walt Garrison, the best power back in Cowboys history. Sorry, Marion Barber fans, hmm. but old school Cowboy fans will agree with me on that one. And they also lost Dave Manders, their starting center. They lost five great starters. And they went eight and six in 1974. They missed the playoffs. Twelve rookies made the team in 1975. Mm -hmm. Think about that, man. Tw they were called the Dirty Dozen. This is back when you only had like 43-man rosters or 40-man rosters. For 12 rookies to make your team is insane. I mean, if 12 rookies made the Cowboys next year, would you be surprised? Yeah, that would be shocking. That just doesn't yeah. happen anymore. But the roster is a lot bigger now. So, uh, okay, if 12 rookies make your team and they make up over a fourth of your roster – and you make the Super Bowl, and you come very close to beating the team of the decade, maybe one of the greatest teams, if not the greatest team of all time, that's a heck of a coaching job. One of, one of the greatest playoff games, real quick, ever in mm -hmm. NFL uh, Cowboys history in terms of performance, the 75 NFC Championship, they beat the Rams 37-7 to in Los Angeles to go to the Super Bowl. Go ahead. What do you think? Do yeah, you I like it. No, I like it because it wasn't like this was a Landry team that was full of talent. Do you know how many Pro Bowlers he had on the team that season? Ooh, oh, man. What a great question. 75, not a lot. Not uh, a lot. I'm going to say Leroy Jordan may have made it that year. Uh, the middle linebacker. Nope. Outside of him, I think the only guys that would have made it in 75 – were offensive an offensive lineman probably Rayfield Wright correct? I don't even did Roger make it that year? It was Roger Rayfield Wright and Cliff, Cliff Harris. Harris. Those are your yeah. three, right? Yeah. To compare that to the team they played in the Super Bowl, right? The Pittsburgh Steelers in 1975 because they were again they were absolutely loaded had 11 Pro Bowlers that year, eight on defense. So you were going up against a team that was just star studded, and a lot of those guys ended up making the hall of fame and for Landry to get that team to the super bowl and come so close to beating the Steelers in the super bowl. 
I think it's certainly worthy of uh, the number two spot. I have no problems at all with that one at number two. Any final thoughts on that one before we move yeah, on? Yeah, real quick. Uh, that That's the year Landry reintroduced the shotgun to the NFL, but the shotgun like we know it as a passing formation. Yes. Uh, when Stallback threw the Hail Mary in that year's playoffs, that was out of the shotgun. Uh, you know, that, that was a pretty big deal. The other thing he introduced to the league in 1975, Marcus, the third down back. Hmm. You know, the yeah. Theo Riddick, right? The Lance yeah. Dunbars, all those Jaylen guys. Richard, yeah. Yes, all those guys. They picked up Preston Pearson. Uh, Pittsburgh didn't want him anymore. And Preston Pearson was the only member of the Dallas Cowboys in 1975 who had ever played for another team. How about that? That is absolutely insane. Just shows you how different the NFL was back in the yes. 1970s. Yeah. All right, let's move on to number one. You guys know that mine was the 2003 uh, Bill Parcells season, and that leads us to you, Elliot. What is your single greatest coaching season in Dallas Cowboys history? Well, I, I, I do have to ask you one thing. How close did the 06 team coaching job come to the 03 team for you? not very because the 2016 was quite a bit more talented on both sides of the ball. Now it's again, certainly a really good season by Parcells. We talk about this all the time. You and I, that we think if they could have beat the Seahawks, that they had a real chance of potentially getting to the Super Bowl that year. Parcells was phenomenal, but it wasn't better than his Oh three season. Okay. I just playing Romo, the decision to play Romo and pull Bledsoe. That was a great decision. Yeah. Yeah. That was that was an incredible decision. And they had some close losses that year. The Washington loss comes to mind where mm-hmm. Terrell Owens dropped a deep ball. And was it Troy Vincent that blocked yep. the kick at FedEx? Yep. Yeah. Oof. Okay. Uh, See, so want my number one? We ready? We're ready. Let's do it. Okay. My number one coaching job in Dallas Cowboys history is the 1993 Dallas Cowboys, Jimmy Johnson. Okay. Cool. Uh, I'll tell you why. Because the stress that he not only imposed on himself, but he was under organizationally was incredible. And you can say, well, wait a minute. He had such a talented team, right? Who do you think acquired that talent? (laughs) Jimmy Johnson. The other thing is no matter how much the game has changed, Marcus, one thing we know is that it's really hard to repeat. It is. Yes. This is the best argument for you. Yes. And the problem with 1993, do you know what was unique about 1993 to 1992? Tell me. First year of free agency. Yes. So for the first time, teams were losing their guys. And so the Cowboys were not immune to this. So, but unlike Bill Belichick, they didn't have 20 years of data on how should we handle you know, free agency. And do you go for the mid-tier guy? Remember they used to go for the big splashes. Mm-hmm. Now free agency, a lot of times more about getting mid-tier talent. Jimmy Johnson had no roadmap for that. And the 93 Cowboys didn't have Emmett Smith the first two games of the season. And everything was, when they went 0-2, I mean, everyone thought the season was over, that this team partied too much. There's no way. And then what do they do? They go on a 12-2 and run. One of those losses being the Miami game on Thanksgiving that they should have never lost yeah, when Leon Lett yeah, yeah. pounces on the ball. Okay. Then they play Green Bay in the playoffs. That's Brett Favre, Mike Holmgren, mm-hmm. Green Bay Packers, demolish them. They play the 49ers in the NFC Championship. Troy Aikman gets hurt. Bernie Kosar comes in, and he leads the Cowboys to a win. Not just a win. They blew out the 49ers yeah, in the did. second yep. half. 
Then they go into they play the Buffalo Bills in the Super Bowl, and in the second half they blow them out as well. And Jimmy, what do you did, did he quit? Did he get fired? You know what? What's the story there, right? Uh, obviously, he leaves the team, and it starts to trickle out how much he did not get along with the owner who insisted on taking credit for being a huge reason the Cowboys were winning. I, I just can't imagine the stress level for that season. And those are all really, really good points. And it's, it's really hard to argue against Jimmy Johnson when he wins the Super Bowl. My only counter argument would be, it's the only one, the team was really, really good. And again, he deserves credit for putting that team together. But if we're doing strictly by coaching, how many Pro Bowlers did he have on that team, Elliot? I mean, Aikman, Emmett, Moose Johnson, Michael yep. Irvin, Jay Novacek, uh, Nate Newton, Mark Stepnowski, yep. Eric Williams, Russell Maryland, Charles Haley, Ken Norton Jr., Thomas Everett. I mean, they were just loaded on that team. They, they, hey, there's no question that they were. My only thing here with you is that we're talking about coaching job, right? Well, your job, let's take a podcast, right? Some like I'm just a, I'm a guest on your podcast. I don't actually have to I don't have to get us in and out of, you know, I don't have to do any reads or anything, sure, right? Sure. So, our job is different, but we're both on the podcast. Well, it's the same thing with coaching. For for Chan Gailey, all he had to do was go in, in there and coach, right? And there were not big ex- expectations for Chan Gailey. Uh, you know, pick any coach, Tom Landry. You know, he wasn't acquiring the talent uh, totally. He was a part of the draft board. Jimmy Johnson was doing his job. His coaching job required a lot more from him than sure. another guy's, than Dave Campos coaching job. And the fact that Jimmy knocked both sides of it out of the park and also changed NFL history with his draft value chart, which mm-hmm. I know you think is super cool. Which you uh, still use today. Yeah. Which is still used today. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Is it strictly coaching? No, but it's his the the entire responsibilities of his job. Also, really quickly about that that whole coaching tree. Another another absolutely ridiculous one, right? Because it was uh, Butch Davis was the uh, defensive coordinator. North Turner, uh, the great Dave Campo was the de- defensive back coach on that team. Yep. Uh, another really big coaching tree from uh, Jimmy Johnson. So that was worth mentioning. Uh, before we head out, Elliot, any other coaching seasons you want to mention really quickly? Well, I mean, I think we'd both be remiss if we didn't mention the 92 Cowboys, right? Yeah. I mean, that yep. that team beat the 49ers out at Candlestick. That was an incredible time in, in, in Cowboys history. We already mentioned the 06 team. Uh, you know, it, I think you knocked it out of the park with the 66 Cowboys team. I just want to mention that Tom Landry had a ton of great seasons. Yes, he did. Uh, yep. The 1985, his last winning year, what he was able to do, and, and also the first Super Bowl year. The Cowboys had lost so many times in the playoffs, Marcus. People started calling them next year's champions. Mm-hmm. And he was able to persevere and get this team. He made – Tom Landry made it the Cowboys America's team. So those would be mine. Um, do you have any Wade Phillips for me? <laughs> no, Wade doesn't get in there. But uh, I almost put the 1991 Jimmy Johnson season yeah. in there because I think the expectations were so high, right? Or, you know, I mean, they were 1-15, 7-9, and, and then he had that famous quote, 
uh, we're going to be in the playoffs, right? Like we'll make the playoffs. Yes. And they did. And that was really the season that kind of got them ready for the 1992 year. With Steve Berline, by the way. Yeah. And you know, the thing about that 91 season, Elliot, it's not as talented as what you think. Like they didn't have a pro bowler on defense. It was all really, really young players on defense. Now, a lot of those guys would end up becoming pro bowlers, but uh, a pretty much a no-name defense. The offensive line, uh, again, didn't have Larry Allen at that point. You had an older Nate Newton, uh, an older Mark Tuane. Uh, again, a good good roster, but not a great roster. So to get them to 11-5, and five, uh, I think worth, is worth mentioning. Elliot, thank you so much for coming on the show. Will you come back and we'll do another one of these soon? Does that sound good? Yeah, yeah for sure. Uh, I am still, I'm still weighing your Chan Gailey in my head. I'm, I'm, you know what, you know what's going to happen? I, I know you're going to call me after this podcast or someday this week. And you're going to be th- saying, you know what, Marcus, that was a, that was a good call. I just, but you I, made up for it with your Jimmy Johnson, 91, honestly, that's worthy of top three. Yeah. Like if there's but, one that you really want to debate over, I, that I didn't think of that one. You did a heck of a job there. That's a that's a great one. That that's a good season. We we uh, we'll all be appreciative of that 1991 season. So uh, we'll have to we'll have to think of a, another fun Cowboys history topic to do on this show. I'm I'm sure we'll come up with something soon. Uh, you guys can listen to Elliot Harrison on Sirius XM. He's all over the place. Uh, and he'll be back on this podcast soon. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked On Cowboys. You can download, subscribe at Apple Pi- Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. I'm at Marcus underscore Mosier. Uh, we, we will see you guys next time. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.